1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
2: From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to The Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast.
3: You're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, presented by Scree Gear Performance Layering System Performance Hunting Apparel, ScreeGear.com. Shop online. Use the code LABH twenty percent off of your first purchase on all regularly priced items. And told you the last couple of weeks they are well stocked, and the late season gear. We're finally getting some fairly consistent cold weather down here in our part of the world, and the cold weather bib and jacket the guardian bib and jacket the ptarmigan pant and jacket those cold weather items are getting great reviews and the solace later season pattern has also gotten a lot of great feedback and uh check them out follow them on social media check them out on youtube find out more about the products and shop online at screegear.com so it's uh middle of january kyler um, I know you went back to work this week. Have you done any hunting at all?
2: We say that like like I haven't worked for three weeks, and
3: well, you haven't worked. It's been like four weeks since you've worked. Well, yeah, like I
2: was gonna say, it's been, it's been longer than three weeks. This is,
3: I mean, like so, well, well, and let's be fair. You've worked. You just haven't went
2: to the office. Yeah, I don't have to go to the office. Yeah, I can do everything from my tree stand. i Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I, I just do everything from my tree stand. Yeah, um, and. Uh, I mean, I came back to a lot of you know, bills that need to be paid, and people wondering where where their uh, credit card payments and stuff were. So I did a lot of that today and yesterday. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I finally um, this year is is like the first year that I could take advantage of that. Um, and uh, you know, we, we we've talked to some other business owners. We'll have a business owner on tonight and I've been I've been working my ass off to be able to do this like a rutcation you spend weeks in the woods pretty much and I go home a couple times a week to see my family and put the kids to bed and then go back to the camp and blah 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 but yeah I I mean it's good to be back because I'm kind of entering into this period in my work life where I'll I'll go balls to the wall uh in the business like obsessively and, and you know work actually this is my normal schedule that i'm about to start getting back to now um get to work around 7:38 in the morning work till 5:30 go home eat dinner with the family go back to work at 7:30 be at the shop until 10:30 or 11 every single night and um i'll run that schedule until september or almost opening weekend and once but like once deer season hits I cut that way down, way way down, so um anyway it's 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 the whole you know entrepreneur uh quote of like why work forty hours for somebody else when you can work a hundred hours for yourself you know yeah so that's that's the that's what I've been doing, but it was good um, i uh had a lot of good opportunities at Deer. i I can't remember if I told you all this on I told you this on the last episode, but um i I skipped an arrow off of a, a good buck's back with my trad bow. Um, like, like ba- like bounced it off his back pretty much. Mm. And um, I just, uh, I get, I get really self-conscious when a buck get, gets behind me and stays there because especially on winds, like swirling wind days where it's like, I know it's just a matter of time until that wind kicks over in his direction and that it had been happening to me all day and so when he finally started walking forwards again i rushed a shot and i short drawed and didn't do like the whole program that i've been practicing months and months on and luckily i didn't hurt him i just skipped it off his back and he ran off and probably never never the wiser because i didn't even i didn't even cut him i don't think um but i had some good opportunities it's not over they're still running around like idiots i'm still getting pictures it's just more sporadic you
3: know, yeah. One of the guys that hunts, uh, on the property, on my property right here behind the house, he shot an eight point yesterday following a doe. He shot it with mm-hmm. a rifle on a food plot. Uh, it wasn't a old mature deer. In fact, it was a young deer, but still, nevertheless, uh, following a doe. And I have, and I've hunted a couple of times this week. And um, I I went to the ATA show. Uh, la- end of last week through the weekend. So I didn't hunt any over the weekend. I hunted the last couple of days, and I don't really have any stories to tell, but I do have a story to tell, not from my hunt, but I have a story to tell. All right. So update for all the active listeners that have been listening the last several episodes. So we talked about the deer that my son's been hunting behind the house, right? Um, he's back at school now, so... CoVID continues to be a thing, and they closed school today for the next couple of days just because there's so many kids in quarantine. So he got to come home in time to go hunt this afternoon and I got a picture of the deer at 945 this morning so I told him and he's been man, he hunted the deer. we talked about it on the podcast he hunted the deer all through his uh, holiday break. never saw him and this afternoon i had the deer on camera at nine forty-five this morning i told him when he got off the school bus you need to get your stuff on and go he goes and gets in the stand and he i come in from hunting down the road and he's all teary-eyed and upset and i'm like oh gosh we're fixing to spend the rest of the night looking for something i'm betting and uh but come to find out he had the deer at 15 yards said when the deer stepped out into his open lane he drew, and the deer immediately turned, facing straight away from me, and stayed or straight away from him, and stayed away from him while he was drawn back with his head down, feeding. And he he said he stayed that way for a little while, and he said when he finally picked his head up and turned quartering away, he could It was dark enough that he couldn't tell if there was anything blocking the vitals, so he let his bow down and he let him walk off. So That's-
2: that's some pretty adult stuff, man.
3: He's thirteen, and I know a whole lot of grown men that have never killed a deer this big with their bow. So it's a pretty proud dad moment, if I gotta be honest. That's
2: awesome, man. That's like, incredible.
3: He was upset about it. Mostly upset about it because he's scared that he you know, when he let down when he let down the deer kinda he said the deer kind of like jumped a few steps and then kind of stomped off uh, uh, and then stood over there and looked and looked and looked and then walked off behind him. And he said he waited a little while, and it was pitch black dark. He said when he let his bow down, when his bow hit the ground, he thought he heard the deer run off. And he was scared that he scared him, and he's never coming back. (laughs) So that's what he was mostly upset about.
2: You can do way worse stuff to a deer, and it'll
3: still come back. Well, I told him, I said, look, dude. If that deer had ever had had ever realized that you were in that tree stand, he would have blown out of there, and there would have been no question in your mind how bad you scared him. <laughs> so, maybe we're good. But uh, I've hunted the last couple of evenings, and I have not seen a deer. But I'm doing something different, and so now it's admission time. So... I have to admit that I have hunted out of a saddle for the last two afternoons.
2: For the last two afternoons every
3: day. <laughs> yeah, for the last two afternoons I got a saddle. <laughs> so I got a saddle and so I got a saddle at the ATA show. And it didn't come home with me. None of my luggage came home with me as a matter of fact. Mm. Um it went from Louisville to Charlotte to New Orleans to Dallas and then to Baton Rouge and when I finally caught it in Baton Rouge at baggage I called and said please do not send my baggage anywhere else I'm driving up there and getting it right now so I didn't get my stuff until Tuesday so I didn't uh, so I got it during the day Tuesday so um in in true Louisiana bowhunter fashion we talk about the we we talk about the current events here we bring the current news. We're going to talk to Chad Rice, who is the founder, founder and owner of Cruiser Saddles, the company that I got my saddle from, and uh, just talk to him a little bit about saddle hunting. I'm sure most of you are on the edge of your seat because Kyler and I have both been um, n- verbal non-saddle hunters for a long time, and now I'm breaking the mold and I'm trying it out. So this ought to be interesting. Our guests every week are brought to you by our friend Brian Chamberlain, the Chamberlain Lending Team with Movement Mortgage. And if you're in need of a residential loan, primary or secondary vacation investment, cash out, rate reduction, renovation for add-ons, any of these kind of needs, contact Brian, nobody does better, low credit scores, potentially 0% down, and the Movement Mortgage 42% of their profits go towards charitable organizations through the Movement Foundation, and that sets them apart. Brian is licensed in Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. NMLS number 114586, and Movement Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. NMLS ID number 39179. Chad, thank you so much for joining us. What's going on?
1: Hey, Locke. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Uh, Appreciate you... uh checking out our saddles at ata and then uh ultimately purchasing one so you made a good choice
3: well <laughs> it's uh it's so you, i know you don't have any any history with louisiana bow hunter but this is our fourth season and i think this will be like our 86th episode of the podcast okay. and kyler and i so up until last year i didn't hunt mobile at all kyler has been a mobile hunter before mobile hunting was cool, but
2: no, that's not true. That's not true. Not true. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been cooler longer than I've been doing it. I promise you that.
3: Okay. Well, Kyler has been mobile hunting for the. Is it safe? Is it fair for me to say, Kyler, you've been mobile hunting for the pretty much the bulk of your hunting career? It's kind of been your
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I have I have only ever deer hunted on live uh, with a mobile set, I've only hunted private land i mean I can't even count on two hands how many times yeah. like like meaning I wouldn't fill up two hands you know ten fingers. so um so yeah,
3: so the backstory story is last year I started hunting mobily. and so you know to be fair, uh, I'm talking about more of the more common mobile style setups with the lightweight lock on setups and the hanging hunt methods i I hunted out of a climbing stand. Most of my life, when I was a teenager and, and younger and stuff, until um, I got at some, at some point, I I stopped hunting out of a climber because I got sick of it. But um, we've kind of always been avoiding making any transition to saddle hunting. But I have to admit, and I told you this when I met you at the show, it's it's been something that's been on the horizon for me because my cameraman sits in a saddle, and I'm I've just there's certain things about it that I've never been sure of. But I've always recognized the versatility that it offers you, and the um, and, and some of those kind of things. So, checked out your product, I liked it, and I decided I was going to go ahead and try it. And I've spent two days now, and I'm still learning. Um, I think you told me in an earlier conversation, Chad, that. Most people practice a little bit, and you just don't right into it. So that's kind of what I did, and I have no idea what's going to happen if I ever have to actually try to draw back and shoot out of it. Uh, or at least until I get a chance to do some more practicing. But um, the product, from all indications initially, is fantastic. Um, it's comfortable, works good, does everything I think it's supposed to do, and I've uh, you know the the thing that I can say about it so far is um speaking just about the product quality it fits me well and as far as the style of hunting I've the last two afternoons I've gone into two areas that I've wanted to hunt but I haven't hunted them because I didn't have a stand in there and I didn't really have time to go in and put a stand so I haven't hunted them and I've been able to go in quickly and quietly two afternoons after I got done with work and whatever was going on and get in there and and it, it, i haven't seen any deer but it's late in the season so it's not all that surprising to me as far as that goes but i've been able to get in there and hunt a couple of areas that i probably would have just put back on the list of yeah one day i'm actually going to go in there and hunt those spots so it, it did give me that versatility and so that's good um but one thing we always do is uh whenever we have a guest we always ask about a little bit more about you and specifically what you shoot as far as like, you know, this is the Louisiana Bow Podcast. So what what is your archery setup? What kind of bow you shooting, kinda of arrows, broadheads, all that kind of stuff?
1: Okay, yeah. So um currently I'm shooting the new uh Matthews V three is it the V three X? I think that's what it's called. The, the, the brand issue. new one they just yeah. came out with, yeah. Uh, So I picked that up, and uh, it's a pretty sweet shooting bow. Um, Had the V3 the previous year, uh, the 27, and I knew I wanted something with a little bit longer axle-to-axle. So when they came out with it, the V3X and the 29, you know, uh, I definitely uh, was excited about that and sold my V3 to uh, our UPS rep. And uh, (laughs) – picked up the v3x and uh so shooting the v3x in 29 um and as far as my arrows and broadhead setup i'm using um uh vector custom shop arrows using the uh zmrs which are a prototype uh that i believe they're going to be dropping this year and then um as far as broadheads, I'm shooting 125-grain single-bevel cutthroat.
3: I'm not familiar with that. You familiar with that one, Kyler?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, I've seen it. Those are cool. Okay, so
3: yeah. is this the first – is Kyler, is this the first guest we've had this year that's actually shooting a heavier single-bevel? Everybody seems to shoot 100-grain. Different variety of that, but I don't know that anybody has –
2: He's the only person that's shooting a single bevel that that has told us. Uh, well, I know it sounds weird to say that he's uh, told us, but he's the only one that isn't shooting like a, you know, standard find it on any shelf at any archery shop. Broadhead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, so. What? So then, if you're shooting that, then I'm not familiar with that vector arrow. So, what's your total arrow weight? You You probably know that. It's probably pretty heavy, then.
1: Uh, yeah, we're, I'm shooting just north of 500. I think like,
2: uh,
1: I'm not exactly sure on the exact number. Um, it's like 528 or something like that. Um, yeah. the, the vector custom shop arrows, that's a guy out of, uh, Wisconsin. His name is, um, um, Isaac Smith and he owns vector custom shop. Good friend of mine. um, but he basically saw a need in that custom heavy arrow situation where you can go in, go onto his website, you can put in the poundage of your bow, what, what, uh, what uh, weight field point or, or broadhead that you're shooting, and he basically can build a custom arrow Uh, to your specs, you know, what spine range you need, um, all that good stuff. He's doing some awesome things up there with, you know, heavy arrows. But the ZMRs actually are a lighter arrow um, that he's offering, I believe, this year. Um, Yeah, he's doing some cool things. Yeah, pretty high FOC for sure.
2: Yeah. So that's – when I was – um, when I when I first started shooting traditional a few years ago, I would get the lightest arrow I could find and run brass inserts, and then not the heaviest, but pretty heavy, you know, one sixty five, one seventy five grain broadheads, and just mainly because that shoots the best out of trad. You get real high FOC sure. and it over it compensates for how slow slow the bow's going. You know, are all, all shooting and all that stuff. But um, yeah, the the custom arrow stuff is is pretty cool i I have to check that out i've never heard of that that's neat
1: yeah man he makes an awesome arrow um and i actually shoot uh his saying that he's got another arrow called the hmr it's the hammer um but i'm shooting those out of my trad setup as well um but i believe i've got a i've got a 400 spine with a um i believe it's a 65 grain insert with 150 grain uh, single bevel cutthroat on that.
2: Very cool. What bow is that? Yep.
1: Uh, I'm shooting. I've got two different bows. Um, both of them are Tolky traditional archery bows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got the Chinook and the Pika.
2: Is Tolkien who has the whip? Is that Tolkien? the super yes. whip
1: or the? Whip? Yep. The whip. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah um
1: yeah, su- those are, those su- cool yeah super awesome bow you're out of uh somewhere in montana but it's him and his son dan tolky and uh jared tolky actually
2: i think and Tolkey, i think Tolke, if anyone wants to look it's t-o-e-l-k wait t-o-e-k-l-e right yes, yes. yeah 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 phonetically you wouldn't probably couldn't have guessed it without like spelling it because yeah T- t-o-e-k-l-e um and uh or, no i still spelled that right T- yeah yeah t-o-e-l-k-e yeah yeah man but yeah but <laughs> <laughs> i got it wrong three times before i got it right that's why i'm trying to spell it because you couldn't guess it <laughs> you know like yeah. you could yeah. be like oh Chulky? i'll just google that no nope. no you're not um yeah they, they've got some really cool bows man um I, yeah. I, it's funny when it's funny. I didn't want to cut you off, but you're like, I've got two traditional bows, and I was like, yeah, because it's impossible to just have one. You can't just well, have one bow.
1: Technically, I've got five, but those are the two that I shoot the most.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody, nobody's like the only people that have one trad bow is still in like the Samic stage, um, you know era of, like, I'm going to try this, but little do they know that that that's, like, they're right on the edge of, like, a deep dive and spending a few grand on five different bows just to see what they like uh, and trade sure. them out and swap with other people and all that stuff. So, um, that's cool. That's real cool. Um, there's a um, new, new guy. I'm going to – You give me just one second. I'm going to look it up instagram because i want to get the the name right um timber i think it's timber ghost there's a a, a company hmm, there's a there's a, a boat no it's not timber ninja that's uh, kind yeah, of a, they make the sticks um but uh anyway so there's a there's a company called i, I think i think it's called timber ghost um or something, but they've got a really cool technology with their recurves where the um, the tips curve back forwards really, really aggressively, but it doesn't stack and it's, it's super fast. It's really um, uh, just you, you, you can shoot a lower poundage but get higher performance than higher poundage bows um I'm trying to remember that, but anyway, I found I found them a couple of years ago on social media, and I've always been wanting to buy one of them, and I can't find them on my Instagram right now. Anyway, I'm rambling. Sorry. Great, great but, podcast. Great podcast. Yeah. Whenever I, whenever I uh, talk to other guys that you know have trad, shoot trad, whatever, you know, you obviously are in tune with your setup and what you shoot and whatnot, but you'd, you'd be amazed how many people we talk to, and they're like, "Yeah, I um." I shoot gold tips. Okay. Yeah. Go sure. on. Uh, I, and then I, yeah, I've got, um, I've got a mixture of broadheads. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so it's cool. People are like, yeah, I shoot 528 grains, this exact thing and this, and they're built, but you know, that's, I think that's, that's cooler because you can get real granular with that stuff. But um, yeah, I'm, I, 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 t- I tend to nerd out quite a bit
1: on, on the, b- arrow setups and bow setups and things like that so you know it's good to talk to other people that like to do that as well
2: well So, so tell us uh how did you get into making your saddle
1: well it's kind of a long story but uh i'll try to uh hit the high points really but um basically i used to rock climb um pretty obsessively in my early twenties, late teens, early twenties, all the way up until my mid twenties. Um, and had a climbing accident where I fell and broke my ankle and basically I had to, uh, well, I had to have surgery and then I was Pretty much laid up for about six months my wife had to get a full-time job she was normally a stay-at-home mom and um basically just had a conversation with me one day that she just didn't want me to you know be risking my body to injury anymore because she didn't want to miss out on our kids uh, uh childhood and stuff like that so Uh, basically I had to, I had to focus, you know, uh, you know, my obsessive compulsive nature towards something else. Um, so really I didn't even get into deer hunting, uh, you know, obsessively until later in life, uh, like my mid twenties, 24, 25, something like that. Um,
2: same same thing here. Yeah, I agree
1: yeah yeah so um basically you know i had hunted a little bit when i was younger with my grandfather but um basically didn't get really obsessed with deer hunting until you know mid-20s or so um and then and then i pretty much took on bow hunting right away um and um anyway to saddle hunting i i um ran into a friend uh one day and he was taught we we got to talking about deer hunting and he he was already saddle hunting and he basically was said you know was telling me about saddle hunting he said you know i think you would really enjoy this type of hunting because of your rock hunting background so uh you know we we decided to uh start doing a little bit of hunting together and uh you know, he started showing me uh, ins and outs of saddle hunting and and uh, introduced me to, this, you know, saddle hunter forum, things like that. Well, uh, you know, just having an ob- obsessive nature, like uh, I just dove in head first and uh, just really kind of spent a lot of time trying to figure out the best setup and you know, there was not a lot of commercially available saddles on the market. And then, you know, 2018 is when it kind of uh, kind of, took off for the commercially available saddles. So I decided to build my own instead of buying one because I had um, experience sewing up rock climbing slings and things of that nature, just fixing gear. Um so i decided to sell uh, sew up a saddle harness that was kind of like what was on the market and uh hunted out of that for a season and it was okay and then i just realized that you know i think i could make a better one so you know ended up making uh what we used to call the s model saddle which was just a plain seat like no, no, nothing special about the mesh on the seat. And then, uh, um, ended up adding a pleat like halfway through that season. I think the 2019 season. And when I added the pleat in, it kind of, uh, I kind of had an aha moment and, um, you know, built a couple for some friends and then. You know, everybody that tried it was just, like, blown away. So one thing led to another, man, and it just kind of made sense to uh, start a business, at least like a a, a side hustle. Never really imagined that it was going to be, you know, what I do for a living. So,
2: Well, uh, there are a couple of things I want to say about that is – uh, I, well, before I tell you this, did you ever, did your friends ever give you a hard time for like quote unquote sewing for a living?
1: No, but my wife did.
2: So, <laughs> cause, cause that's, that's a uh, pretty, pretty low hanging fruit, right? And the reason why I say that is because the company that I own, we make custom hats and all we do all day is sewing, embroidery, um, uh, sewing patches on to beanies, custom, you know, Richardson 112 style hats, things like that. And so, but sure, I started yeah. in my garage. What did you say?
1: I said sure, yeah. I know, yeah, I, so I know I said, what you exactly. Yep.
2: Started in, started in my garage, and and you know, bought a heavy duty sewing machine, and literally just taught myself how to sew. I didn't have any idea how to do it, but I went off of the basis of like, well, if other people can do this, I can do this. And um and so there's there's a period of time in which your friends are like, Oh, you like to sew, like where do you which side of the sewing machine do you put your purse on and you stuff like that, like little <laughs> rib jab jokes and then and then you start to make money and then you start to like then you quit your job and then you start to support your family and then your friends still have their regular jobs and you're like, It's not funny anymore, is it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's been yep. that's been a similar growth model, but um so let me ask you this: How do you do? You have any idea how many saddles y'all made all time now?
1: That is a good question. All time, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I would say. So we've only been in business since technically in business since January of 2020. So. Um, I would say close to ten thousand to be honest with you.
2: That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. That's really incredible. So uh, um, well let me let
1: me let me maybe eight to ten thousand. That's a good guesstimate.
2: Gotcha. Um yep. that's uh that's more than I thought it would be in that period of time because I know those it's pretty time consuming I would imagine to get it all everything cut to size and then sewn up and et cetera et cetera i don't know how how long it takes to produce one but um that's impressive man that's a lot more than i don't i guess i didn't really have a number in, in mind but only to be in business for two years that's a lot of that's a lot settled that's a lot
1: yeah i mean we've
2: we've got we've so we employ
1: um people so uh you know about nine of them are on sewing machines or uh you know, doing the cutting operations full-time, like 40 hours a week. So, um, you know, I I would say we can do anywhere from like 35 to 45 saddles a day with that many people.
3: Hey, if you're looking for a new piece of hunting property or you have a piece of property you'd like to list for sale, contact our friend Slade Priest, the hunting land man, Slade's a Realtree United Country Land Pro, and he's more than just a real estate agent. Slade has spent his entire life in the outdoors managing property, hunting, fishing, and he really prides himself on understanding putting the right buyer and the right seller together when it comes to outdoor recreational hunting property. And Slade was recently ranked number two in the the country for for 2020 uh, Southern States Realty United Country Hunting Properties. So if you are in the market... No one sells more Mississippi and Louisiana, and it's not too late to potentially get into a new piece of property, even for this hunting season. Uh, Slade tells me you can get to closing pretty quickly, and he's got some fantastic properties recently listed, and more coming all the time. So, search the hashtag #HuntingLandMan, and you'll find all kind of stuff. Slade's got a podcast where you can get all kind of information on land and uh, the buying selling process. So, check him out and go find all of his listings at huntinglandmanms.com That's so I,
0: awesome man.
3: I, I was I was anticipating uh, not the story uh, so so your story of of your first saddle and all that and then of course the yeah. the ascension from that to um, where you're at today or at least your ascension from that to full-time business January 2020. I was anticipating more of a, uh, you know, tried out a couple of different products, identified things I wanted to change, and then, you know, decided there were ways this could be done better and differently and things like that. So, uh, I mean, is that part of the process? Has that ever been part of the process, or you just strictly went completely on your own from day one in in terms of your idea uh, or, like, how you were going to do this?
1: So I've actually never sat in any other competitor's saddle. Cool. Never, never owned one. Uh, I've actually, you know, I've had a few customers bring like some competitive competitor saddles in the shop, uh, just to say, you know, this is the one I've got. Is it better Is y'all's better or whatnot. Uh, but no, I mean, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of, I could see what the, what was out there, um, you know, based off pictures and things like that and just could could, could essentially see how it was built and, uh, you know, go from there and, and basically, I don't know, man, it was, it, it's kind of all a blur, but it's a little bit crazy as well. Like. Uh, not really knowing how to sell well to going, you know, full time, like, you know, going for it basically.
3: So I've never rock climbed a day in my life, but I think it it would be obvious to anyone listening the parallels between, um, you know, the equipment, the gear, the tactics of, of, of that Mm -hmm. kind of activity. And then course climbing up a tree and hanging off the side of that tree in a saddle um what are i mean are there any points that that were like kind of high points for you going from the rock climbing i mean are there what things from that did you carry into okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna make my own saddle um you know what kind of ideas did did that give you about your rock climbing background kind of ideas did that give you did you bring over into your ideas for creating a saddle
1: uh, that's a good question. Um, I'll have to, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I wouldn't say anything specific from rock climbing to, to saddle hunting, besides the fact that, you know, rope work is all kind of the same, uh, in, in climbing. So, I knew a lot about ropes and a lot about just hanging in a harness. And, um, you know, as far as rock climbing harnesses go, they're not the most comfortable thing to hang in. So, I knew what I didn't want, I guess. Yeah, that's a good way out to come at it. Saddle.
3: That's a good way to come at it.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, and as far, as far as saddle hunting goes, you know, when I... You know, rock climbing is just a sense of adventure. Like the whole thing, you know, you're you're scaling a rock face and and trying to find holds on the way up and and getting pumped out and they, you know, so it's like sort of a sense of adventure. Uh, and, and you know, when I got into deer hunting, it kind of correlated, like. You know, when I first got into it, I didn't run cameras. I didn't do any of that stuff. So I would go out into the woods in the dark and climb a tree, not knowing what I was getting myself into, really. So it's kind of, sort of filled that void, uh, you know, that looking for adventure type deal. Um, so,
3: yeah, I that's I, that's cool because, like for me, um. And, and some of this even carries over into the mobile, just just mobile hunting in general. Um, we've talked a lot in, in different conversations about the process of hunting. You know, you've got uh, different kinds of hunters out there, um, some that are just focused on the kill and others that are focused on, you know, a process is the word that we've used on this podcast a lot, and I'm one of those people that, the adventure side of it the process of it like everything that goes into it from picking a spot and how you set up and uh all the way down to um the scouting and and all of that is to me is one of the things that drives me the most about hunting if it was just simply about i don't care where i'm at how i'm hunting winning what i'm i'm looking to kill a deer i'm looking to fill a tag or, or, or or a certain quota uh i just i don't know how long that would keep my interest um i'm I'm looking for the adventure and that's one of the things that and like i I mentioned earlier hunting in the saddle the last couple of days i've been able to go in and hunt some spots that i've only looked at from afar and i knew that they were in areas that i wanted to hunt and i just didn't have the time or the resources or whatever just hadn't gone in there and hung a stand and then waited on the day to go back in, and so it provides that adventure. I did, you know, both hunts the last uh, couple of days. I'm I'm able to go in there. I don't know what tree I'm going to get in. I'm just walking into an area, you know, picking the tree, getting up there, and then just waiting and seeing how it unfolds. And like I said, I haven't seen a deer, but I also haven't, you know, I've really been focused more on just making a hunt and learning to hunt out of the saddle than I have trying to, like, expect that I'm going to have the best hunt, you know. So that, that's really, that's really cool. Um, I think, uh, that part of it, we, we share a common bond, the adventure side of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, the process part of it, yeah, sort of the same thing, adventure process, whatever. Um, it's, yeah, it's what definitely draws me to, to mobile hunting and bow hunting itself. I mean you know, and it kind of, it correlates to rock climbing quite a bit. I mean, you know, the whole gear aspect, like I've always been a gear nut. So it's like coming from rock climbing, I had like, you know, all the traditional gear to climb, you know, cracks or whatever, and then the sport gear. And so it kind of goes hand in hand. Like now I'm, I've got all the archery gear. I'm like getting nerding out on broadheads and arrows and, you know, traditional bows and you know, so it's I don't yeah. know, it kind of feel, feels fills a little a little void in me where we climbing yeah. You know, I had to stop climbing. So yeah. No, but I, I mean it's 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 pretty awesome, dude. Saddle hunting has changed my life obviously and it's um, you know, deer hunting has definitely become my new obsession. You know. Yes. Yeah,
3: so, so, have you, in your ascension to becoming a deer hunter, uh, uh, in that period of your life? I mean, have you spent any amount of time hunting in um, in other kind of stands, or have you strictly just did you strictly go straight into to to, to that to saddles?
1: Yeah, I mean, I spent probably like you know, the first year, year two, probably the first year or the first two seasons hunting out of like, well, it kind of, it kind of, uh, evolved, uh, I, I spent like the first half of a season out of a climber and then I was started getting into, you know, beast style of hunting where you're getting close to bedding areas, uh, you know, just the mobile style of hunting. Uh, so I, I decided to pick up a lock on and try that. And then, you know, for a good for a full season, I hunted out of tree stands and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when I started talking to my buddy about about saddle hunting. And then that next year, I kind of uh, flip-flopped back and forth. I mean, like I said, there was nothing really... Uh, great on the market as far as saddles go so i did not love saddle hunting in the beginning i gotta admit um i hunted out of a sit drag which is just like a a six inch like basically cloth uh essentially looked just like a swing you know like a kid's swing but it was cloth uh, so I hunted out of that for a full season and then uh, maybe a couple of seasons actually. Um, and then, you know, things started rolling in 2018 with these commercially available saddles and uh, yeah.
3: That sounds so I've heard of those things before. I can't honestly picture in my mind if i've ever seen one and i know i've never hunted in one but it sounds ridiculously uncomfortable like for any a period of time to sit for very long anyway
1: yeah they they are uh they were not great um basically they were meant to be used at ground level like to to hunt out of so basically think of a saddle but something you use at ground level and like not very wide just like a cloth swing that you strap around the tree at ground level and you sit in it and uh, basically gun hunt out of it Um, It's essentially what that thing was so we would we would just modify them and use a rock climbing harness as your safety Mm -hmm. belt and then wear that thing to sit in I got you I got you
3: so Let's ignore completely the fact that I bought a saddle uh, less than a week ago, and I've already tried to hunt deer out of it twice. Let's ignore that. Um, <laughs> what what would your advice be to someone um, in terms of someone who's never done it that that wants to get in? What What are some of the the, the high points, so to speak, that you would uh, kind of instruct somebody on? Uh, not the buying process so much, but the learning and figuring it out and, um, maybe the buying process in terms of what all stuff to get started with, to make sure that you've got the basics, because I think it kind of goes without saying, you're going to kind of figure out what works best for you and maybe add, add little pieces here and there to your equipment that kind of fit what you want the most. But, um, how would you advise someone to go about getting into it and getting to a a spot where they're proficient and ready to 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 make the most out of hunting out of one
1: so saddle hunting is you know the beauty of saddle hunting is it's such a personal thing um like each individual is going to have a different experience than the next. um but for someone starting out I would recommend definitely getting online. There's a there are a ton of videos on YouTube. There are a ton of outlets like uh, you on Facebook. You've got several different groups: Saddle Hunter, Saddle Hunter Nation. You've got SaddleHunter.com, which is a great place to uh you know talk to other people to learn from. But if you're looking, if you if you're like me or, or just about anybody else, uh, YouTube is is a great learning platform, and there are a ton of videos on on YouTube on how to saddle hunt. Um, so that that honestly, that is one of the first places I would start. Is just you know YouTube how to saddle hunt. There's going to be a ton of videos that pop up. And they're going to go through the basics. Um, as far as gear goes, you're, you know, obviously, you're going to need uh, some sort of form of climbing method to get in into the tree to get up to height. You're going to need some sort of platform, whether it be, you know, a conventional platform like we sell, uh, or, you know something you attach to the top of a climbing stick or, um, you know, a ring of steps, which a ring of steps or, you know, basically just like either a screw in screw in steps in a ring around the tree or, or something equivalent to that, that you strap around the tree and, you know, space it out. Um, which is kind of one of the first, Platform methods that were available Uh, The actual Platform itself didn't come Till like Shoot I think Lone Wolf Made one in 2008 Or something like that the assassin And then everything after That has pretty much copied The assassin So uh, Other than Sticks a platform you're gonna Obviously need a saddle and then a lineman rope and a tether. Um, with your lineman rope, obviously, if, you, if you've climbed any kind of mogul setup, it's the rope that goes around the tree that you flip, flip up the back to keep yourself attached to the tree and also allow you to be hands-free to hang your climbing method. Um, and then your tether is the rope that actually hooks into the bridge. You're going to girth hitch it around the tree. Hook into the bridge, and that's the one you're essentially going to hang from. So it's your lifeline. So, other than, but other than that, I mean, it's kind of uh, like I said, it's kind of a personal preference. you a gear strap, backband. There, I mean, there's so many different um, ways to skin a cat when it comes to saddle hunting.
3: Yeah. So, so I, um, I'm learning and I haven't had an experience with a deer. And I say that not just from the standpoint of trying to get in position to draw back and shoot a to deer, but just simply, um, it's been pretty much stress-free in that I'm just kind of sitting there and there's nothing around me. I'm not trying to like hide or be still or watch my movements or anything. Cause there's been no deer around me, but from your from your standpoint or your not your standpoint your 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 point of view or, or your opinion what do you what would you tell somebody what would you tell them to anticipate as kind of the first or most prevalent hardship they might face when they first start doing it what 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 is it they're going to have to overcome first um or, or or put the most effort into figuring out and learning
1: uh, there is a steep learning curve um, when it comes to shooting out of a saddle. A lot of guys will try to like keep their, keep their legs straight to maneuver around the tree to try to get a shot around the back side of the tree. But as soon as you start to do that, you're gonna pendulum and like swing off your platform essentially so, uh, I think I showed you this at the at the ATA show, but you can essentially drop down into a seating position, and whichever direction you're going around the tree, trying to swing, and keep your feet on the platform, and then put that lead knee into the tree. And what that's going to do is is it's going to give you three points of contact: both your feet on the platform and a knee into the tree, and it's going to allow you to essentially tiptoe on the platform and maneuver around the backside of the tree to to get those shot angles and it's going to keep you stable um so you know with that being said that takes some practice so it's like i was telling you earlier today uh, a lot of people don't just jump in a tree and go and and get into a deer hunt uh, without practicing shooting out of the saddle. Uh, So if you were to run into, you know, a big buck or something like that, I mean, good
3: luck, dude. No, I've already (laughs) (laughs) – I made the conscious decision. (laughs) I made the conscious decision yesterday and today that I set myself up in the tree with the best I could figure where I was at being my strongest shot being uh, where, you know, kind of where I thought a deer was going to be and I wasn't even going to try unless it was there. You know, basically my strong side, I set myself up on the tree where, okay, this spot I'm hunting, I think this is probably most likely where I'm going to see a deer or get a shot at a deer if I do. And um, I'm basically focused on that. Just basically my strong side just turn. Turn my shoulders to my left, draw and shoot. And if it doesn't happen like that, I'm just going to sit here and watch it walk by. Because yeah, I, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely not, uh, <laughs> not, not, uh, not ready to, for any kind of awkward, weird shot angles. But I will say, one of my biggest, my biggest hesitations about hunting with a saddle has been, um, and I've told the story to uh, anybody I've talked to about this, is I've always been really hesitant to hunt where I'm facing the tree because I did that younger as as a, a kid learning to hunt and hunting out of um, climbing stands that face the tree, and I always hated that and um, all that sort of thing. And uh, so I uh, have just been adverse to it for a long time. and um, But I'll say that it's been a long time since I did it, and uh i'm not ready to swing around a tree for any kind of awkward shot angles but i have gotten comfortable enough just in these two hunts that i can maneuver around and look around and all around me um even easier than trying to having to stand up and turn around or look over my shoulder and all that kind of stuff so that's that that's been a pleasant surprise i feel like i can lean back into the saddle and i can use my weight and shift with my feet on the platform and look all around me a a lot easier than like i said even sitting in a stand or a lock on and having to stand up or or really twist and and i'm getting old so every time i twist and turn i get a crick in my neck and all that kind of shit so
1: (laughs) (laughs) so. no doubt i'll I'll tell you there (laughs) no but i mean you're you're connected to one point you know like it, you, you got the saddle around you. The bridge comes up to the one, one point. The carabiner connected to the, to the uh, tether. So, you know, it gives you the freedom of movement to get around the tree. Where you know, when you're in a tree stand, you're not, you you're you're basically on your feet. There's no way to actually maneuver around the tree well. So, I mean, I feel like the saddle compared to like a lock on or a, or a uh, climber, it just opens up so many different angles and opportunities to get shots uh, around the tree, 360 degrees. Um, yeah. And you can, and you can be confident because, you know, your weight is already in your harness. So yeah. if you slip, you're not going anywhere. where Where? you know it's quite the opposite um in a in a regular tree stand if you were to slip you're going to take a little bit of a ride uh if you've got a harness on if you don't have a harness on well that's just stupid but um you know in a harness you're gonna fall a couple of feet it's not gonna be fun um but in a saddle you're just you're you're swinging If you're falling, you're swinging. You're not really falling. So, you know, it gives you a little bit of confidence, but you've got to trust your gear, uh, which, you know, that comes with practice. Um, You know, the ropes ropes we use are super safe, super strong. But uh, as soon as you start to trust the system, man, you feel super comfortable and you feel like you can, you, you know, really take a shot from anywhere in the tree
3: so this is a change of direction kind of question more um i don't don't even know what to call it but so where'd the name cruiser come from is there a story behind that or is just
1: uh not really i mean the cruiser saddles I, i i was you know I'd formed a partnership with a friend in the beginning that kind of fell through so it was actually going to be called something different uh and then when when that partnership fell through uh and i basically you know i i, I had bought him out from what he had put into it and um i was just driving around one day uh i used to used to remodel high end houses do a lot of tile work and and had a crew of guys Well so i was running back and forth uh picking up material one day and 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 thinking about this saddle business and and you know like i said it was gonna, just going to be a side hustle in the beginning and thinking about what to call it what to call it and i just kept coming back to like cruising bucks looking for does and and just cruiser
3: it just kind of stuck so that's really uh, i don't know if i mean i guess you're alluding to it a little bit i don't know if your brain went this way in in thinking about it that way but it you know one of the from my point of view one of the greatest mm-hmm. advantages that you get hunting in a saddle is the versatility and i've said that from yep. day one even when i wasn't interested in in trying to hunt out of a saddle I could easily reckon and, and it is the very reason why I invested in a mobile setup and started hunting with a mobile lock-on, which I'm still going to do some. Um, you know, it's not uh, just another tool in the toolbox, so to speak. But um, yeah. that's an interesting point. You mentioned cruising bucks. That's probably a great application because that's oftentimes, um, and, uh, as a bow hunter especially, when you got to get so close. Um, being having that versatility to hit up spots that you know you got spots set up for different reasons. If you're a private land guy, and um, you know, buck cruising bucks do totally different stuff, right? I mean, yeah. they they're, yeah. they're all over the place, and being able to hit up the most fresh and most recent sign, and um, kind of changing patterns that happen all, throughout the rut cycle, the saddle gives you that. So that's kind of cool. It's kind of a cool tie into the name.
1: Yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, the deers are cruising through looking for as Well, we're cruising through looking for that hot sun, looking for those bucks. And, you know, we just, uh, what do you call a cruising buck? Uh, this cruiser came through, like, searching yep. for a doe, downwind, like, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. No, <laughs> I don't, nice. it just It was fitting, and it just kind of stuck. I couldn't think of anything better, so.
3: It makes sense. So. Yep. Kyler? Yes. I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm not, we're not going to dive way off into this, but we're going to finish up our conversation by just kind of elaborating a little bit more on Kyler and I's saddle hunting history. uh, Or not our hunting history, but our history around the conversation of saddle hunting. And um, so we talk a lot about, the trends and the fads of, of deer hunting. And social media has exacerbated that. Things that, uh, things get blown way out of proportion and things go in radical directions on because of the exposure that anything in life gets, really not just hunting, but anything on social media. So we've always kind of, uh, you know, one of the things that we have always had, and this is an opinion that Kyle and I have always shared is, There's always been a lot of people jumping into this saddle craze in the typical, naive outdoor industry market, marketing kind of facade. And that's, I can buy something that's going to bridge my gap to success. We've talked about a lot of things here with the saddle, there's no doubt that if you know how to find the freshest sign, you know how to find deer and you know how to get on deer hunting with a saddle gives you some versatility in getting into the right setup. But we've always, uh, we've had a lot of conversations about there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys that are buying a saddle and then they're going and climbing in a tree 10 yards away from the camp stand. That's already there. Like if I'm hanging on the side of a tree in a saddle, I'm going to be a killer. And it's like, you know it it does a lot for a certain style of hunt it provides you but it's a tool in the toolbox i mean i'm just i'm not i'm not introducing uh any any grand deep thought but i'm curious to get your you know as a guy who's building saddles who's obviously a tinker and a toyer and likes to uh do that kind of thing We, we talked about with your bow and arrow and everything you know, I just want to get your kind of your thought about that because that's kind of been all ours. I think is like just the fad of like everybody thinking that just because they bought a saddle, all of a sudden, what Kyler likes to say is if you're finding and killing deer regularly, you're going to be able to do that no matter how you choose to get up in a tree. If you're not, you need to figure that out before you worry about what you're using to get in the tree with. That's fair... my
2: entire stance. That's been my entire stance. And, and I, I want to... I, I know you you just asked um, asked a question but I I want to clarify something I've actually never ever had a problem with saddles ever. Um, mm. I will even openly admit that they are a fantastic lightweight mobile tool for um, what's becoming extremely uh, I don't say majority but a lot of especially public land hunters, um, but also some private land hunters that are looking for a mo- more mobile way of you know, getting up and down a tree or looking for less to carry on their back. I think it's a fantastic solution for that. I've never ever discredited saddles as like a tangible thing that can be helpful. I've always been critical of some of the people that buy them the same way that some people buy a driver to fix their slice. You, you, need to fix your slice a saddle buying any buying a new bow buying certain types of broadheads buying a different deer stand doesn't matter what it is none of those things help you become a better woodsman and that's been my my only i've been very vocal about this about the fact that no gear you buy will make you a better woodsman and better at killing deer nothing there is nothing at some point in time you've got to say you know what I'm really screwing this up for myself repeatedly. I'm going to learn how to make better decisions in the woods. And, um, I, you know, as we're well into the saddle age now, they're, they're not new anymore. Right. And they, and they've been around since the eighties, but they've made a huge comeback in the last four or five years. Um, we're in an age now where a lot of proven killers that we, you and I and a lot of people we follow online that we know, Warren Womack and Harmon Carson and Ronnie Dugan and a lot of other people that we know, they have moved to a saddle, but they do it silently. They do it like they move, they move, um, you know, without telling anybody what they're doing. And um, the ones that have been most vocal about like the new, their new saddle have killed the fewest deer. That's the thing I'm most critical of, or that I have been, because you know a lot of people were moving to them years ago. That's been, always been my point. So I'd like I want to clarify to, to you that I'm not a saddle hater. I am against any type of gear that people put on a pedestal that they think is going to suddenly make them killers, and it's not. Yeah. That's yeah. my. That's I mean, what, that's all yeah uh,
1: the saddle is not the end-all be-all it's not gonna make you kill deer uh it's just a like like you said Locke, it's just another tool in the tool belt I mean you still have to have a certain amount of woodsmanship you still need to know about deer and how you know I mean there's you're not just gonna buy a saddle automatically go hang in the woods and kill a, a 150. You know what I mean? Yeah. You still have to do your homework. You still need to know what you're doing. I mean, it's kind of like fishing. You know, these lure makers they don't make uh, they don't make fishing lures f- for the fish. They make them for the fishermen. You know, exactly to, c- to catch the fishermen. Uh, yeah. You know, the 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 saddle is not going to make you kill a deer. I mean, you still got to bust your tail, and get in there, and do the work, scout. I mean, there's no better way to get intel than boots on the ground. I mean, get in the woods, like spend the time in the woods figuring out the deer in your area, and that's the only thing that's really going to make you successful.
3: Yep, I think we all agree on that, and I think that you know, it's uh, as we as we start the year 2022, um, we're we, we're continuously becoming more and more inundated in the outdoor industry with the social media age. And the social media age brings about this tendency for people to, they want to be, they're more interested in the conversation and the presence that hunting brings them online than they are in the hunting itself. Mm -hmm. And the only problem with that is it carries into their opinions and the way they interact with others and it's like uh it's it's kind of it's a little bit ridiculous and it's it's it, you know the controversial topics that have been bantered around on facebook group after facebook group and podcast and everything alike about saddle hunting and all that is there's always detractors right and some people earn it some people earn it for the reasons that we're talking about because Um, they're trying to go with a fad and, um, and not with logic. One of the things that attracted me to you guys after, you know, just talking with you and looking at your product and learning that, you know, it was something that you did on your own, that it was obvious that you took a totally different approach. And that's what I really liked about your company and about the saddle was, this isn't a guy that's trying to follow the fad of mobile hunting and saddle hunting. So I'm going to produce my own saddle because that's the cool thing to do. You actually have a climbing background. It's like, this is what I love to do. I can't really do that anymore. So I learned to love to deer hunt. And so, uh, you know, I, I actually, you actually came from, it was really interesting to me. To talk to you at first and learn a little bit about your story and about you, how you went about building a saddle, and now we've learned more and talking to you on this podcast, and and that was really cool because I feel like um, that differentiates you. It sets you apart. You're not just a guy who's trying to tap into the fad, into a hunting fad. You're a guy that actually has a passion for for adventure and climbing, and and I mean, stupid. Stu- I mean, as stupid as it sounds, I- I'm assuming you like ropes and climbing crap. You just yep. like that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so that, that, that's cool. It makes you a unique innovator in the industry, and that's why um, you know, one of the things that attracted me to it. So before we wrap up, obviously want to give you a chance to kind of tell us about what you're offering uh, as far as what's available from Cruiser right now and how people can find you and, and uh, purchase – hear from you and just follow along with the company and what's 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 coming in the in the future
1: yeah man i appreciate that so we uh we're on all social media well not all social media platforms we're on facebook instagram um at cruiser saddles uh our website is www.cruiser.shop uh we offer you know A couple different models of hunting saddle uh we've got two platforms a a pretty substantially large platform that gives you enough room to move uh and and then a smaller platform um the seeker is the large platform the mini seeker is the smaller one which we just dropped uh at ata this past weekend should be available within the next month to two months um gonna be coming out with a set of climbing sticks this year and uh uh several different new accessories new dump pouch gear hanger um yeah man we just offer anything you need to get up into the tree to just saddle on so, so
2: so let, let me ask out. you this let me ask you this because i'm not sure I'm really not that in tune with, with all saddle models and whatnot, so I can kind of play play dumb here in this question. When, when you were getting into creating your saddle, what are some of the features that your saddles have that you're most proud of that you think is a great advantage?
1: So I don't know if I would say features, but I would say uh, one thing that it doesn't uh, do is it does not – produce hip pinch which has been the main issue with saddles from the from the beginning uh we we've we've figured out a way to eliminate hip pinch altogether Uh, it's got a lot to do with the construction and the materials uh, of the saddle that we use or that we've built Um, you know my favorite saddle that we offer Is the XC, which is the one lock picked up. Um, It's got a pleat right down the middle of the seat, so it makes it super versatile in in being able to adjust it uh, to find, you know, uh, your specific comfort level that you're looking for. And um, other than that, I mean, we just offer uh, uh, a saddle made of all military spec webbing uh military spec mesh um name brand buckles waist buckle um you know it's just super well built and we do manufacture everything in house uh here in Cookville Tennessee so we put our hands on each and every saddle that goes out the door we make sure you know that it's up to our quality or it's uh, it's not going out the door so pride ourselves in the quality of our product, pride in the fact that it's made in America, and and pride in the fact that it's probably the most comfortable saddle out there.
3: Very cool. I can attest to this. I'm not the best. I am obviously not the best reviewer in that I haven't hunted in any other saddle and I've only sat in one other saddle just testing it out, and it was Mr. Warren Womack's across the street, and I honestly don't even know what it was. It was just whatever he had hanging off of his porch. Um, and I will say to what you said about the hip pinch, my cameraman, Colin, is in a saddle. Anytime we're filming, he always gets in the tree with me with a saddle, which, by the way, If you're interested in filming hunts and you and your buddy wants to hunt, there is no better way than to put a cameraman in the tree with somebody, whether you're both mobile or you're getting to an existing set. There's no better way to set up a cameraman than a saddle. It is phenomenal, just the versatility it provides for a a cameraman. But point being, I always wondered how that would work. Just looking at it, I'm thinking, how does that not pinch you? And I will say that I I haven't experienced that at all in my two hunts, I don't, I don't know how your saddle's made, I honestly can't even say that I've in, investigated it to try to figure out what it's doing, but I, but I can attest to, to your point, um, whatever you did to try to make sure it, it, that it, that it addressed that, it does, because um, I often wondered in thinking about sitting in a saddle, how's this going to work without being, um having that you know that pressure around your hips and stuff and it doesn't it doesn't do that at all and i've actually adjusted it different ways just to see how it sat and some of it i like uh you know some ways i like some ways i didn't but none of it it none of it would had an uncomfortable pressure or pinch to it so I can attest to that there's your there's your review from Locke on louisiana bowler nice. podcast
2: Locke, well, magic the- man
1: that's <laughs> <laughs> awesome um, <laughs>
2: I, I didn't realize you were in Cookville. I actually um, – kind of an odd side story. I just bought a, uh, a Genu from Cookville, uh, I don't know, maybe four or five weeks ago, I think. I found it on Marketplace and paid for it and sent my buddy up there to go grab it. But um, I, I went yeah. to uh, boarding school in um, Swanee at uh for high school. Um, so I'm yeah. very familiar with your whole your whole part of the country up there beautiful beautiful place and a ton of deer, ton of deer, ton of deer. Yep.
1: Cool. We're like, blessed, like, man. Like we've
2: got we've, we've, so many that we've got, that it's like number one reason for car car damage.
1: Exactly. Like so many. Yeah, yeah man. We're, we're blessed to have a lot of a lot of deer and in, uh, in my specific area within a thirty minute area, I've got access to tens of thousands of acres of public ground so yeah, man, nice. super blessed to have uh super blessed to have a ton of of uh public land around me and and yeah we've got a lot of big deer and uh if you like to fish it's one of the best areas in tennessee for fishing as well so
2: yeah, pretty I when you said mountain climbing, I, I guess I was kind of putting you in North Carolina in my mind, and that was one of my questions I was going to ask is where you all were, but I didn't realize you're only – you're not even eight hours away. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, I think I yeah. have one last question for you, uh, uh, maybe two parts, but number one, what? how are you climbing the tree? What sticks are you using?
1: Uh, currently I'm using a, a set of sticks that was uh... – by a company called catalyst outdoors uh i do believe they are no more um i think they just came on in like 2020 and Mm -hmm. made you know i i don't know they just uh the the couple of kids out of uh indiana they couldn't uh, they they worked full-time jobs and like engineering jobs um believe they made parts for like uh spacecrafts and aircrafts uh but they on their side on the side they made climbing sticks so those are uh i'm mainly using a set of climbing sticks that they had made and then i do have a set of lone wolf custom gear the the mini or the uh Uh, I forget what they're even called, but they're the ones with the alternating steps like the original lone wolf sticks. Uh, I I do take those out from time to time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I use three sticks, and uh, I've also made a a movable aider that I take up the tree with me. So with three sticks, I can get about 22 feet tall if I'm stretching them out pretty good.
2: That's, yeah, that's real similar to mine. I, I, um, I can get with three sticks. Three sticks, I've got eighters on all three. I, I'm, I'm running the original Hawk Heliums, but I modded them years before they came out with the, um, like the Versa button and, and also the, like, the suction cups that everybody hates so much that don't work. I, mm-hmm. I have the original full-length sticks. But I took the middle steps out of all of them because I'm pretty tall and I can make that step from bottom to top pretty easily. Um, but then I added cable and my very bottom stick is a, um, uh, amp steel ater that's or that's longer than the other one. Um, but you can get, I don't care what stick it is. You can get high with three sticks with eighters. like really high, almost unnecessarily. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and this season, um, since I've been mixing traditional back into some of my hunt, um, I, I've only been hunting two sticks for like the last three weeks. I've hunted the whole rut on two sticks and, um, you know, I've got, I put my stand pretty high above my last stick where I'm like stepping way up into it. That gets a little hairy sometimes. So I make sure I'm tied off real well before I make that, that climb. But, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm liking the two stick game pretty good. Uh, and it, 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 you'd you'd be pretty exposed on a barren tree late season with no leaves, but, Outside of that, that, I mean, it seems to be all I need. Um, but uh, my the second side of the other question that I had was if y'all were planning on, on releasing any sticks or coming out with anything.
1: Yeah, man, we got a set of sticks that are uh, in development right now, actually. Um, we're just, uh, we, we've got a... Uh, um, we've got an engineer that we're working with. He's, he's finalizing some drawings at the moment. And then, uh, these aren't going to be conventional sticks. Uh, we're, we're working with another company that makes, um, uh, well, I'll just say they're not going to be conventionally, uh, uh, made of the same materials that you would, you would see other sticks made out of. So, uh, we're gotcha. working with a with a company that that's that's helping us out with those, and it's uh, I believe they're going to uh, not to be cliche, but change the game. You know, uh, they're gonna yeah. they're really they're really going to be uh, a pretty awesome set of climbing sticks. Cool. Uh, somewhere somewhere around. I'll just give you some specs that we're, we're, we're hoping to hit, uh, but somewhere around or under a pound per stick. And yeah. a, a, a set of three sticks will stack to three inches high.
2: Very cool. Mm. Uh, yep. I, when we get off the podcast, I have a feeling I know who you're talking about. I'll ask, I'll ask you more about it if you'll share. Okay, but, um, yeah, no problem. It, uh, I, I think I know who it is, and then I've got a story to tell you. But um, anyway, that's, those are my last few questions. Was, you know, What's Dixie Climbed with? And then also if y'all are going to release anything. Because I see you got your own platforms. Uh, I've I checked, checked you all out on Instagram while we were talking, and y'all um, got a little truck bed full of uh, new cast with pla- platforms. That's really cool. So, um, yeah. cool.
3: Well... Dude, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and talking a little bit with us. It's been fun. We uh, we got a lot of people in our listening audience that do saddle hunt, and uh, it's a topic that kind of comes and goes, but other than a few of our friends that that, uh, that do hunt, you know, with a saddle, we haven't really dove off in the conversation as much as this episode, so it's been a good one. And uh, we appreciate it, and I know you told me over the weekend you were going on a late-season Alabama hunt, so we wish you success on that, too. And uh, if nobody's got anything, I'm going to wrap it up. You guys good to go? Good
1: to go. Yes, appreciate uh, it. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me
3: on, man. All right, check us out, LouisianaBowHunter.com. Um, check out your local retailer if you don't see... Louisiana Bowhunter gear at your local shop or corner store where you go and grab your breakfast before you hit the woods. Let us know. We'll see if we can get some gear on the shelves. And uh, you can always buy online at LouisianaBowhunter.com, get you some gear. We greatly appreciate you listening. Best of luck on this late season. If you're in a late season or you're catching a late a late rut, we got some cold weather coming. Wish you all the best, and we'll talk to you next week.